But just saying waffle mm-hmm. with raises standards. Instantly. Exactly. Waffle fries. Oh. Boom. Upgrade. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to The Debrief, a weekly podcast from your friends here at Sandals Church, where every single week, Pastor Matt Brown is bringing real answers to your tough questions about the Bible. I'm your friendly pal, Justin Party, hanging out here with my buds. Yeah, I'm Stephanie Keen. And we are here with the, the man. PMB. Here he is, Pastor Matt Brown. Hey, we are super excited to be hanging out with you guys today. Man, I actually got to go to Sandals Church East Valley this last weekend and met a whole bunch of friendly uh, uh, Debrief listeners, including... Pazamber from the awesome review she left last week. She was out there. She was out there. It was awesome. Yeah, that's too bad. I was at Sandals Woodcrest this week and talked to several individuals who don't listen to the debrief. So, yeah. Well, battle of the campuses here. I'm praying for some grace. Exactly. Sandals Woodcrest peeps. Shout out to Pastor Adam Atchison for uh, maybe repping the debrief there. He actually even gave us a sweet mention in the middle of his sermon. He talked about uh, learning Christianese. So, it was was pretty awesome. Super fun out there. Well, hey, if you guys are just tuning in, listen, this is a Q&A podcast from, from us here. And uh, before we jump into some questions today, we got some follow-up questions from you guys. We got some uh, questions. We're going to dive into Acts chapter 22 today. But uh, we love, love, love getting reviews from y'all. And we've got a fantastic review today. And uh, we're going to share one of those with you guys. That's right. So Marissa C. wrote in and said, I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior 10 years ago. I've been attending the same church on and off the whole time since. Lately, I've been feeling called to congregate somewhere new. I was drawn to sandals, so I checked out the website. I found the debrief and have been listening ever since, about a week now. I absolutely <laughs> love it and Pastor Matt's explanations. I really feel a connection and will be attending for the first time this Sunday. Thanks for everything you guys do, and I can't wait for more. Oh, that is incredible. Yeah, yeah. totally cool. Shout out, Marissa. Well, welcome uh, to the family, Marissa. Exactly. Exactly. Hey, if you guys want to leave us a review, we always appreciate those. If you leave a uh, review inside the iTunes store, it's super helpful. If people search for the debrief there, the more reviews we have, the more uh, highly we show up in the search results. So that's awesome. But you can also just leave us a comment over on our Facebook page. Just search for the debrief podcast on Facebook and you'll find us there. Now, before we get into the questions, one more sweet little deal. We are hiring right now for a content and media producer, someone to help us prep the show, someone to help us take uh, all the stuff that is being uh, happening here on the show, turning that into great content throughout the week. We've already received a bunch of applicants, but if you know somebody who you think would be the, the right fit for this job, please point them uh, towards us at bit.ly slash debrief job, bit.ly slash debrief job. We definitely want to get the right person on the team. All right, Pastor Matt, you ready to jump into some questions? Absolutely. Let's go for it. All right. We got some, we got a, a follow-up question here from Jessica. She says, I'm really trying to dive deeper into my faith, but I can't seem to find the time. Not only do I commute to work, which means I leave the house at 6 a.m., not back home till 7 p.m. or later, I'm also a single mom. I go to Sandals Church every Sunday, listen to the debrief every week, and listen to the Bible during my commute on most days. But I don't feel like this is enough. Given my crazy schedule, what else can I do? Yeah, I just want to say uh, props to you. I'm super proud of you that you're raising your kids right. That's so awesome. Uh, being a single mom is probably one of the most challenging aspects of our society. So what I would just tell you to do is give yourself grace. I mean, you're going to church, you're listening to the debrief, and you're listening to the Bible on a daily basis. Man, God is going to meet you in that. And so what I would say, it's not about getting more content. It's about embracing the content that you know and really mm-hmm. meditating on that and thinking about that and letting God speak to your heart. So just give yourself some grace, and uh, hopefully I'll meet you one of these weekends at Sandals Church and just give you a hug, say a prayer for you, because uh, that's incredible, and I appreciate your hard work and how you are raising your kids right. That's amazing. So 
Absolutely. Well, uh, let's jump into Acts chapter 22. Stephanie, you want to take us away? I do. So we're going to pick up on the cliffhanger from last week. Last week, Paul got drug out in front of the crowd and he was going to get to talk. So we're going to jump right in with verses one and two. Paul says, brothers and esteemed fathers, listen to me as I offer my defense. And when they heard him speaking in their own language, the silence was even greater. So Paul just switched languages here because before he was talking to the Roman officer in Greek, now he's talking to his people, I'm assuming in Hebrew. Well, we're not sure. It could be Aramaic or Hebrew. And so some translations differ because um, Hebrew is the classical language of Jews, but Aramaic was the current language of Jews. So Jesus probably spoke in Aramaic as far as we know, because it was the contemporary language of the day. So um, it, we, we're not we're not exactly sure. Mm-hmm. Whatever it was, it was in their own dialect and in their own accent. So not only did he speak Hebrew, um, or Aramaic, but he spoke it in a way that reflected who they are. And so we're going to find out why he was able to do that. But it's pretty incredible. Um, you know, an illustration would be, you know, if you grew up in Ireland, you don't speak to the people in um, English, but you would speak in Gaelic. Mm-hmm. And so it's their own local mm-hmm. dialect. And it's like, whoa, this guy's one of us. And uh, I thought that was a powerful point that uh, the pastors made this weekend when they preached that how important it is to speak the language of the people you're trying to reach and try to connect with them. And I think that that's huge. And Paul is showing us that um, we need to speak in such a way that um, it automatically commands attention. And so we got to think about how do I communicate with this person? And the best way for him to do that here was by speaking their language mm-hmm. and actually made it personal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, 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 by definition, excludes uh, the Roman officers. Yeah, that's so, going to be my question. Is that risky for him to exclude the Roman officers like that? Or did he just not care? Because they're the ones kind of that have him... They're arresting him. Yeah. Yeah. So no, well, I don't think so because he, he asked permission to do it. So he has, has permission. He didn't say, can I speak to them in Greek? He said, mm-hmm. can I speak to... And by the way, the Roman is shocked that he speaks Greek. Yeah. Um, so Paul probably spoke Roman, Greek, and then either Aramaic or Hebrew here. So Paul's a well-versed person and speaks multiple languages. He's a brilliant guy. Um, probably not because the Roman officers would have had translators that were present there with them. They would have been there all the time because they don't speak the local dialect. They would have spoken Roman, maybe Greek. Um, if you were an officer, you would have spoke Greek. Probably if you were you know, more of an enlisted person, you would have just spoke uh, Latin, so ro- the Roman language. Mm-hmm. So um, no, it, it's not a risk. It's a personal way. And, and so what the Roman officer wants is the riot to stop. So he, mm-hmm. he wants this to go away. And that's all Romans want. They want these you know, Jewish people to quit freaking out and just obey the laws. So that, like I said, you know, last week, I can go drink my beer and sit under a tree, yeah, <laughs> you know, and do relax. what soldiers want to do. So, yeah. um, you know. Okay. So in verse three, Paul says, I am a Jew born in Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, and I was brought up and educated here in Jerusalem under Gamaliel. As his student, I was carefully trained in our Jewish laws and customs. I became very zealous to honor God in everything I did, just like all of you today. So uh, who's Gamaliel? Is this a big deal? Yeah. So basically, I mean, think like Socrates for... Um, you know, the Greeks. So the, Gamaliel is, is a great teacher, one of the most profound teachers of his day. Basically what Paul is saying is, I went to Harvard. So that's mm-hmm. what he's saying. And you can see, you know, like I went to Cal Baptist. I love the Lancers, Lance up. But the reality <laughs> is, you know, it's not Harvard. Right. There, there's clearly a difference between students at CBU and students at Harvard. So Harvard- collects... I went to state school and my little brother went to Yale. So yeah. what oh, can I... you do about that? Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I understand your metaphor. I'm yeah, tracking with yeah, you. Yeah, your parents' biology got a little stronger <laughs> it as it uh, progressed down the family line. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so so basically what he's saying is, is, look, not only am I a Jew, but I, I went to the, I, I studied under the very best. So I, I'm not just one of you. Really what he's saying is I'm the best of, of one of you. And so um, it says here that he was born in Tarsus uh, in the city of, of Cilicia. He says that I was brought up and educated here in Jerusalem. So his family probably at some time moved to Jerusalem. So what he's saying is not only am I a Jew, 
but I'm not a diaspora Jew. I'm not a Hellenistic Jew. I am a Jew Jew. I'm like, literally, I'm one of you guys. I've been with you. You have known me. That's who I am. And by the way, I, I studied under the very best here. So, because what is he being criticized? He's being criticized for abandoning his Jewishness. And he's mm-hmm. saying, look, I'm not abandoning it. That's who I am. And that's all that I am. Um, so it's pretty incredible. That is. So Paul continues his talk and he starts to basically tell him them what happened to him. So in verses six through 11, it says, as I was on the road approaching Damascus about noon, a very bright light from heaven suddenly shone down around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? I asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus the Nazarene, the one who you're persecuting. The people with me saw the light, but didn't understand the voice speaking to me. I asked, what should I do, Lord? So Paul refers to Jesus as Lord two times here, but in our Bibles, the first time he says that Lord is lowercase, the second time it's uppercase. What happens there? What's the shift? Yeah, so that's not going to be in every translation. So um, some translations will do that. Some some others won't. So the Greek word is kurios, which can be translated sir or Lord or master. And so as Mm -hmm. Christians, we refer to Jesus Christ as Lord. And really what it means, what we mean is God. So um, it's the same way in the the Hebrew Bible that we translate Yahweh as Lord. So that's what they mean by it. So basically what Paul is doing here is he's saying, who are you, sir? So he's respectively, because he doesn't know who Jesus is. And Jesus says, why are you persecuting me? And so what's so interesting about this testimony right, is when, when Paul makes his defense from a Jew, he says, look, man, I, I persecuted it and chased these Christians down like nobody else. Right. Mm-hmm. I was just like you guys. I, I didn't agree with Christianity. I thought it was a cancer, you know, within the Jewish faith, and I sought to eradicate it. But I had this encounter with God on my way to Damascus where I'm going to kill Christians and, and, and imprison them. And then all of a sudden I heard this voice saying, why are you persecuting me? And he, and, and what he says, I didn't know who you, who you were. And that's why I saw... Uh, Kurios is translated, sir, because there's a a misunderstanding there. But then when he says, he says, I am Jesus of Nazareth, the one you're persecuting. And that's when there's a transition there. And he says, um, yes, Lord. Mm -hmm. So now he knows who he is. And so it's interesting here that this is the only instance, I believe in the book of Acts, where Jesus is labeled as Jesus the Nazarene from Nazareth. Mm -hmm. And so uh, most times it's just Jesus for, for whatever reason, Paul wants them to know that this is the guy from Nazareth that you guys killed. Because yeah. Jesus was a very popular name. Right. So um, just like Matt Brown is a very popular name. There are even <clears throat> pastors I follow on Twitter yeah. who have that name. It's just yeah, weird. Totally. I have a, I have alerts on my computer for any time Pastor Matt Brown pops up on the internet, and most of the time it's not you. So. Yeah. Well, that's good. I'm staying out of jail. <laughs> that's prison. good. That's good. Yeah, we good appreciate job. that. So, you know, so he now, now he, he knows who this Jesus is, and, you know, Luke is letting us know that there was a change. At first, Jesus was a stranger, and now he's his Lord mm. and um, requires his absolute obedience. Man, I, you, sorry, but even as you say that, that feels like a really cool way of describing our own relationships and stories with Jesus, this mm. idea of didn't fully get to know Jesus, but over time we've come to trust him as friend and those kinds of things. Yeah, absolutely. So I, one of the <clears throat> the confusing things that I see that Christians do is they say, I worship him as Savior, and then he became my Lord. And the reality is, if he isn't your Lord, he's not your Savior. Mm. So you have to accept all of who Jesus is, not just part of it. Like, most people don't want to go to hell, so they're like, oh, Jesus is my Savior. But he is only your Savior if he's your Lord, and he's like only you give your him Lord your authority. Yeah, if you give him authority over your life. Mm. So... Man, that was good. Okay, so the, Paul continues on talking in the story in verses 17 through 20. He says, After I returned to Jerusalem, I was praying in the temple and fell into a trance. I saw a vision of Jesus saying to me, Hurry, 
Leave Jerusalem, for the people here won't accept your testimony about me. But Lord, I argued, they certainly know that in every synagogue I imprisoned and beat those who believed in you. And it was in complete agreement with your witness, Stephen was killed. I stood by and kept the coats that they took off when they stoned him. So Paul ends up telling three um his conversion story three times and each one of them differs slightly. So like this example, he talks about falling into a trance and he hasn't mentioned that before. So is Paul just telling it a little bit differently each time? Or do you think maybe Luke, as he writes it, is recalling it a little bit differently? No, I think, yeah, for example, when I share my testimony, it's not exactly the same every time. Otherwise, why wouldn't I just type it to you and give it to you on a piece of paper? I'm going to share it with emotion and there are different things that I highlight every time that I share it. Right. And so it, Paul, led by the Holy Spirit, just feels led to share certain aspects of what happened in his conversion. And some people will say, oh, okay, well, see, this shows that it's not real. What I would say is it actually proves the exact opposite. It's not a carbon copy every single time. Luke is genuinely recounting how Paul shared it on three different occasions. And so for here, he's talking about this process. And I think that he's, again, he's sharing his testimony in such a way to identify with these Jewish people in Jerusalem who want to kill him. At other times, he's going to be sharing his testimony to uh, Roman governors. And so he's going to recount it in a different way so that they can understand it um, and, and come to Christ because that's his hope and his prayer. So he is specifically sharing it in this way so that his Jewish audience will be the most convicted. And, um, and I think that that's just really, really powerful and important for us to understand that whenever we share our testimony, ultimately we're sharing our story so that people can become a part of God's story and receive Christ. And so it doesn't mean that we make up things or you exaggerate things. Mm -hmm. What you do is you share certain aspects of the story that may help the person that you're communicating with come to Christ. And that's what's important. Mm -hmm. um, you know. So for example, I got to speak this week at CBU to the water polo team. And, and I just shared about my struggles, um, uh, my conversion being an athlete. You guys have probably never heard that part of the story, mm -hmm. but I was an athlete at CBU on scholarship, blew my ACL, went from a very, very athletic person to basically cripple uh, you know, handicapped. I mean, I was on crutches for two years. It was a, it was a traumatic injury and process oh, wow. in my life. But when I'm sharing that, you know, at a church, that doesn't resonate like it does with athletes who mm -hmm. are trying to be an athlete and who are trying to connect. And, and so someone would say, well, Matt's never shared that part of his story before. Well, there's a lot to my testimony that, yeah. you know, maybe you don't need to hear. It's not impactful or helpful for a person who's not at college trying to do both. And cool. so I shared that with them. And it was a trip. They just really connected with me because mm -hmm. they understand, oh yeah, okay, I'm an athlete, I'm a student, I'm battling injuries, I'm trying to maintain my scholarship. I mean, they understood all that and I felt like there was a real cool connection there and I was proud to be there. And so I think that's what Paul's doing. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. I, you're right. I've never heard that before. Yeah. So in verses 21 to 23, um, Paul continues his story and says, but the Lord said to me, go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. The crowd listened until Paul said that word. Then they all began to shout, away with such a fellow, he isn't fit to live. They yelled, threw off their coats, and tossed handfuls of dust into the air. So the mob was fine with the whole story about Jesus, the whole conversion, and don't really have any problems with that until he says the word Gentiles. Why does that make them just totally flip out? I don't know. I mean, sometimes I say things to you and you totally flip out and I don't ever wow. understand why. And like, you like literally <laughs> oh away with this fellow. I mean, mm, you've seen yes. Stephanie do that. Like you've seen me just toss my yeah, coat, toss throw dirt in the, in the air. air. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yes, it's, it's really right. quite embarrassing. I, I mean, I understand where they're coming yeah, from because yeah. I've heard <laughs> you say things, but... No, so... so you know, here's the thing is, is, is mob mentalities, you know, um, is never a good thing. Mm -hmm. Mob intelligence drops, you know, it's why like, uh, you know, some of my liberal friends, I'm like, look, don't go down to LA. Don't protest. Those places are not safe. People are not thinking. Be very, very careful because when people get together, 
I mean, it's guilt by association, and that's what you see here. He simply mentions the word Gentiles, and they lose their minds. And and what they're saying when they say away with such a fellow is they mean kill him. Mm. I mean, that's Mm. what they're chanting, death, death to Paul. This guy deserves to die. When he just talked about the fact that, hey, guys, I'm just like you. I persecuted the church Mm -hmm. just like you, but I had this radical encounter with Jesus Christ, and they're tracking until he says the word Gentiles. And so what I would say is when we're sharing our faith, we need to be very, very careful of trigger words that will set people off. Like for example, um, and, and people will try to do it intentionally. Like if I try to talk about Jesus, they'll say, well, what do you believe about homosexuality? And so mm-hmm. wh- why, why do they do that? Because what they wanna do is they want to find an area where we disagree so they can be set off mm-hmm. and not let me finish. And so what I need to do as a Christian, and it's not that, oh, I don't take a stand or, you know, the truth is I don't tell everybody about everything I believe in any sermon. Right. You can't do that. So what you have to do is communicate in such a way that you don't set them off. And, um, you know, especially in this election process, you know, I'm going to talk about this this week in the message. Um, I've just seen Christians blow it, just absolutely blow it. And I get it. People are frustrating. People are emotional. People are whack. Yeah. And so are you. And so am I. We've got to stay away from those trigger words that are going to set people off and ultimately cause us, you know, to lose our voice. So everybody is tracking with him. And then all of a sudden he says, but the Lord said to me, go for I will send you away to the Gentiles. And it's just, I mean, because what they believe is the gospel is all about, you know, Jews in Jerusalem. And that's not what it's about. It is about the world, saving the world. And even the prophets, Isaiah says that in, in, in the 60s, um, not in the years of the 60s, yep. but in the chapters of the 60s, uh, he talks about that ultimately the picture of God is about all of the nations coming and worshiping him, no matter where they're from, with their cultures and their, um, you know, the, the beauties of, of who they are ethnically, they all come and worship the one true God and not as Jews. They come and worship as, you know, Latinos, Americans, uh, you know, tidy whities like us, uh, <laughs> you know, Africans from Africa, um, you know, Chinese, Koreans, they're all gonna come as those ethnic groups and they're gonna worship God and God wants that. And, and there's, that's what's amazing. There's diversity in heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, we all worship the one true God, but we retain our ethnicity. And uh, I think that's important. I've got a follow-up question on that. Like maybe for like a lot of people are thinking about the election and like maybe there are some people who listen to this who know that they blew it or they've been in a conversation where they've said one of those trigger words and they totally lost the conversation and it went horribly. What would you say to someone who's just knows they've totally blown it in one of those situations? Yeah, I would just say you need to apologize and just say, please forgive me and don't expect an apology back. I mean, that's the difference between Christians and you know who have the Holy Spirit living inside them is we don't apologize to get an apology. We apologize because we're truly sorry. And Mm so they might not be sorry and that's okay. You're the person that's saved. You're the person that's going to heaven. And sometimes even as Christians, um, right, we blow it. And so we just need to say that. And sometimes, you know, not every Christian is as mature as you. So you need to to say, I'm sorry, I blew it. You know, I let my temper get the best of me. Um, Man, I do that with my family, you know, not even on the issue of of politics. Um, You know, this was a deeply, deeply uh, controversial election. Um, I think people got set up by the media. They, mm-hmm. they never gave Trump a chance. And so I think we were all in shock. I mean, everybody was in shock, whether you voted for him or supported him or not, the media gave him no chance. So when he wins, it's not just that you lost, it's that you can't believe that you lost. And so um, people acted like idiots and then those who won, you know, threw it in their faces. And so the whole thing is just ugly. And as Christians, you know, no matter who won, we have to um, support as best we can and pray for whoever won as best we can, um, because ultimately that's what the Bible says that we need to do. So I would just say, hey, I'm sorry. I got over emotional. I got upset. 
um, I mean, I had an eye twitch all election night long mm-hmm. and my wife was like, what's wrong? And I'm like, because either person that wins, I'm, I have ner- I'm nervous. So I was nervous for each person for different reasons. Yeah. So um, it, it, was a, it was a tough situation. So that's what I would say is, you know, it's just so sad that people allowed political differences to separate them in their faith. And that breaks the heart of God. Mm-hmm. So, so <clears throat> the, the, the way that Acts chapter two wraps up kind of Paul is this mob breaks out, the Roman uh, guards grab him, the officer picks him up and they swoop him out of there and they're going to start beating him. They take him to the commander. Paul says, Hey, I'm a Roman citizen outs himself. So he's, avoiding getting the beating. Mm. And uh, the Roman commander decides he himself is going to do some more investigation on this. And uh, verse 30 says, the next day, the commander ordered the leading priests into session with the Jewish high council. He wanted to find out what the trouble was all about. So he released Paul to have him stand before them. So Paul started with the Jews. It got crazy. He was arrested by the Romans again. Um, And then now he's going back to stand before the Jews. As this chapter ends off with kind of another cliffhanger, do you feel like this situation puts Paul in a better position or even more hot water as he's moving forward? Yeah, well, actually, I I think the problem is not Paul. The problem is the commander. The commander's in a bad situation. Mm. At first, he rescues Paul, but then he allows, you know, he's going to beat Paul. I mean, literally, he's going to whip him like they whipped Jesus. And so right. some people didn't survive that. Mm-hmm. Um, so they whipped you with a, you know, a, a whip that was, uh, had leather straps on it, and they would embed like glass, rock, and stone into it, and they would whip your back. And basically, what he's going to do is he's going to make Paul tell the truth. Like, what is going on? So remember, it started where he thought Paul was an Egyptian terrorist. He found mm-hmm. out he's not an Egyptian terrorist. He says, okay, this guy's Greek um, because he speaks Greek. Now he found out, no, he's not Greek, he's a Jew. And then he finds out, no, he's not Greek, he's not a Jew, he's a Roman, which yeah. <laughs> which is a big deal. It's a really, really big deal. Like, you don't kill Romans without a trial. And so all Romans had the right to appeal to Caesar in Rome, and Paul will eventually do that. But this guy's in real trouble because he could actually lose his citizenship because of what he did to Paul. Mm-hmm. And he's in a bad spot because he bought his citizenship. Mm-hmm. So he, he paid... Uh, for it. And so, you know, as Americans, we don't realize, unless you've traveled around the world, you don't realize how precious your citizenship is. I mean, there are literally billions of people around the world who would sell everything they have to come and live here Mm -hmm. because America is truly, whether, you know, you agree or not, it is the most opportune country on the earth. And so people want to get here. They can change their lives here. Literally in one generation, if you work hard enough, um, your family can go from poverty to, to Welch, Welch's wealth uh, <laughs> through education. I mean, um, I think about my skin doctor. Um, his family came here from Lebanon. Literally, he was carried across the border in potato sacks. Hmm. Uh, they paid uh, soldiers to smuggle them. So this is his earliest memory. Hmm. Smuggles him. His parents come here with absolutely no money. And his dad says, go to school for as long as you possibly can. And now he's my doctor and he makes tons of money mm-hmm. and he's, you know, working on my face, taking mm-hmm. away, you know, cancer moles and he's extremely wealthy. He, and so he did that in America. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of places on earth where you can do that, um, mm-hmm. where you literally are smuggled across the border in a potato sack. Um, and here he is, you know, in one generation. And mm-hmm. I mean, he's wealthier than I'll ever be. So uh, <laughs> it's pretty, pretty am- amazing what can happen here. And so, um, you know, again, I'm not an American apologist or, you know, um, this isn't like a Go USA podcast, but the reality is it helps. And so being a Roman citizen was your path to wealth. Mm-hmm. So if you're a Roman citizen, you could do anything. Right. And so that's why this guy bought his citizenship. And so the assumption is, Paul, well, you bought yours too. And Paul says, no, 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 no. I was born a Roman. 
And what that means is, is that Paul's citizenship is more powerful. He's a higher ranking Roman than the soldier who is beating him. Mm -hmm. So now he doesn't know what to do and he's trying to figure a way out. So he's going to try to give Paul an opportunity to speak because really he blew it. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're going to whip him. And Paul's like, I mean, what, what does he say? He says, you know, is this your policy that you whip uh, Roman citizens? You know, <laughs> and he's like, uh, I'm not exactly sure, you know, what to do here. Um, it says literally verse 25, when they tied Paul down to lash him, Paul said to the officer standing there, is it legal for you to whip a Roman citizen who hasn't even been tried? Mm-hmm. And they're like, this is like a holy crap moment. Yeah. Uh-oh. Like, uh-oh. <laughs> we totally just blew this. And so they got to make it right. So then they're going to take him to uh, the Jews to try to soften this over. Because now the Roman is in a tough spot. He's got the Jews who are going crazy, but he's also committed a crime against Paul. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he's you know, damned if he does, damned if he doesn't. Yeah. And so he's between a rock and a hard place, and he's trying to do the right thing. And so he's hoping that these two groups can solve it themselves. Mm-hmm. So here's the weird thing that's difficult about this passage, it says that he called, um, you know, the Sanhedrin to come. Romans didn't have the power to call a meeting of the Sanhedrin. Hmm. So maybe what this was, this was a, you know, like a please come, um, you know, you can't, so what is the Sanhedrin? It's the Jewish Supreme Court. Okay. So like, so like, think about it, you know, Mexico can't call a meeting of the Supreme Court. They can't, Mm -hmm. they can't do it. Same thing with Rome. Rome couldn't call a meeting of the Jewish Supreme Court, which is a Sanhedrin. And so, um, the Sanhedrin is, is a group of individuals uh, that's made of, of 70 plus one. You guys know where that comes from? Um, what it takes to make a synagogue? No, oh. that's 10. Right. But no, so in, in Exodus, um, when Moses can't do the labor and the work, God calls him to call out elders and, and leaders to put the Holy Spirit on them so they can help him with judging. And there's 70 of them oh. plus mm-hmm. Moses. Got it. And so who's, you know, Moses sits in that role of, of the plus one. And so it's it's just... That's the way it goes, and that's where we think it comes from. Uh, There's no specific commandment in the Bible to do that. It's just something that they kind of picked up based upon um, that desire. So uh, here they are meeting. They may have met near the uh, Antonio Fortress. Last week in the podcast, I said the Antonio Antonio Courtyard. It's a fortress. Fortress. And the fortress sits on the top. So think about like uh, the whole temple is a big walled castle. So think about that. And in the castle, there's all these courtyards. We talked about them. The Gentiles, mm-hmm. uh, the court of the women, court of Jewish men, court of Jewish priests, and then the holiest of holies where only the high priest goes. Around that, this is big wall. And in the corner of the Gentile court is this massive fortress that literally is taller than, I, I don't know if it was taller than the holiest of holies because uh, we don't exactly know how high that was, um, but it, it overlooks and literally looks down upon all the courts. So mm-hmm. they may have met over there to have this conversation of, look, what what do we do? We got to give this guy a fair trial. He's a Roman, um, and we're in a really, really bad situation. And so that's that's what happens. Hmm. Well, as we close up Acts chapter 22 here, I got to say, away with such a fellow is definitely the classiest way I've ever heard someone call for murder. Um, <laughs> it's true. Well, that's why Stephanie says that. I do. Because yes. it doesn't feel like she's committing murder. It's just like, away with this oh, fellow. Yeah. Away, from, I just away of, with like, this fellow. I just sort of like, you know, cast my hand out <laughs> yeah. dismissively. Oh, yeah, man, that's true. awesome. Well, hey, guys, thank you for uh, being here with us today for uh, episode 41 of The Debrief. Another great 
fun show. Listen, if you are um, someone who listens to the show on a regular basis, we appreciate your support. If you're here and you're a part of Sandals Church joining us on the weekends, man, we appreciate it. And it's super helpful to us as we uh, uh, work towards the new year with lots of awesome plans for the show. If you go to Sandals Church and you can grab one of those debrief stickers or t-shirts, not only does it give you a reason to tell your friends all about the debrief podcast, it also uh, helps us with some of the plans that we've got for next year. If you listen on a regular basis and you're not a, plant, a part of Sandals Church, man, we would love if you could support us financially uh, in, in any way you can. If you support the church and it helps out, Sandal, uh, helps us out here on the show, you can just go to sandalschurch.com slash give and even make a one-time gift. And uh, listen, we really have some great plans for 2017. Mm-hmm. So you already know we're working towards hiring somebody to help make the show even better. And uh, super, this is our next little big thing that we're excited to be announcing with you guys. We are moving and marching towards episode 50, which is going to be landmark episode. Mm. And the plan we've got is we are going to be doing a live show. Uh, so we're going to uh, give you more details as we come to that. We're going to find location, all that, that kind of Stephanie stuff. Stephanie has to be on our game. Exactly, dude. So You'll have to see all the times I roll my eyes at Matt yes. and Justin. So. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. So we want to get all of our loyal debrief uh, fans and friends together as we record the show, yeah. get some of your questions from the room Yarr. on there. It's going to be awesome. It is going to be awesome. Can we talk like a pirate the whole time? Oh, too? man, we could, well, we could at least questions. do a little intro. We could at least I do can't talk show. like a pirate. I try, but I can't do it. All right. Well, you've got uh, nine more episodes to learn. So. That's right. Well, hey, if you want to look back over the show notes from anything in here, head on over to debrief.show slash 41 or ask us a question on Facebook. Just look for the Debrief podcast. And uh, before we leave, let's learn some uh, new fun things that Christians say. Learning Christian news, I think I'm learning Christian news, I really think so. Learning Christian news, I think I'm learning Christian news, I really think so. All right. So this week on Learning Christianese, what do Christians mean when they say they have an unspoken prayer request? <laughs> oh my gosh. It means they don't want to be real. So that's <laughs> what it means. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm not a big fan of unspoken prayer requests um, because I don't think it's helpful for me to pray for you mm-hmm. in any way. And I mean, obviously there, there are some times where you're going through st- something that's deeply, deeply personal. Maybe it's embarrassing. Um, maybe you're not ready to share. And so those are moments. But what it means is um, you don't feel comfortable um, with the people that you're asking to pray for you, sharing what's going on in your life. And so what I would say is you need to get comfortable. You need to get in a real relationship. Um, I'm a sinner. Um, you know, we all know Justin's a sinner. That's pretty clear. Yep. Even Stephanie in her holiness is a sinner. We Away all, with sometimes. such a fellow. We sometimes. all struggle. <laughs> and um, yeah, so look, get in relationships where you can be open and honest and real about what's happening in your life. Um, because you need to not have an unspoken prayer request. You need to speak it and you need to share it because there is power. James uh, 5.16 says, when we confess our sins one to another, we are whole and healed. So the process is through confessing. And and by definition, you can't confess something that's unspoken. It must be spoken. And so that's what it means. It means that they're not ready to share it. Um, Man, I grew up at a Christian school, and uh, every morning we would share prayer requests for the class and the teacher, and she would write them up on the chalkboard, and she would always have unspoken one, or unspoken, and then she would just put little numbers next to them. And then during prayer, she would, it'd be, God, we pray for unspoken prayer request number one, unspoken prayer request number two, and we would go down the list. It was it was awesome. I'm not going to lie. I definitely threw up some fake unspokens just so that Miss Musser had to pray for him. So. Yeah, thank you, Miss Muster, for praying for Justin's fake prayer request. I'm sure God answered your heart, and he may be going to hell. I've changed. Yes, I'm glad.
Pastor Matt, I had a horrible nightmare about you the other night. Did I kill you? No. Well, it's worse. Chris Christie <gasps> was. <laughs> Chris Christie wakes me up in the middle of the night, drags me out into my living room, and starts interrogating me about your life. All these little details. What's his high school? Hiram Johnson. Well, like all these details Hiram. of your life. Hiram Johnson. Yeah, Sorry. Well, there's well, the first Chris, 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 Chris Christie let that one slide. For that one. And if I did not pass the test of knowing the facts of your life well enough, Chris Christie was going to make me go work at some church in Chino Hills. And I was like, <laughs> Chris Christie. He was like real angry, I think, about not being the transition chief anymore. 